0: take your Bible tonight and turn to Ephesians in chapter number 6. We're nearing the conclusion of the book. Ephesians in chapter number 6. I'm reserving two verses for a concluding message. All right, so we're going to go verse 19 through 22 and then save 23 and 24 uh, for maybe what could be a wrap-up sermon. I don't know, you know. It's a... I know I've mentioned a few times about the book of Ephesians being like the Grand Canyon of the New Testament. And, uh, you know, if you visited the Grand Canyon, you almost don't want to leave because it's so majestic and amazing. And even as you're driving away, you're kind of looking at it in the rearview mirror. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what we're doing with the last two verses. This is such a powerful uh, letter from Paul and her inspiration. And, and we'll do a little bit of wrap up work. And then we'll get into uh, 1 Samuel. Actually, that's our next series on Sunday night. So I look forward to preaching some about uh, King David and Saul Saul and David and and others. So I really look forward to that. But I've really enjoyed the book of Ephesians, the heavenly calling of the local church, the heavenly calling. We have a God-given opportunity and obligation um, before us as a local church. So let's begin our reading tonight in verse 17. And then we'll read through verse number 22. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then this is what we covered last Sunday night. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We talked about the critical role of prayer in your spiritual conflict. We'll come back to that and review a little bit here tonight, because I think we all need the challenge and the reminder to be uh, prayerful. All right, now uh, look at verse number 19. And Paul says this, so pray for all saints. And then he gets specific, verse 19. And for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which, so for this mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you may know... I'm sorry but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. In fact, I I thought, you know, we could preach a whole message right there on a missionary's life, how I do. How I do. We we want to know how I do. You know, the reason why we have this brochure with the missionaries' pictures in it and their bios, and while we're inviting them to come and spend, uh, uh, you know, uh, from Wednesday to Sunday with us, we want to know how they do. How how things are going. How are things going? So Paul says, I I did this because I wanted you to know how I do. Okay. Is that what he said? Yeah. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye may know our affairs. Again, he mentions that. And that ye might, I'm sorry, that he might comfort your hearts. All right, that he might comfort or encourage your hearts. So if you have a footnote down at the bottom of your um, copy of Ephesians, it probably mentions that it was delivered by Tychicus. So this is the man, this is the one that had the honor and great responsibility to, to transport the sacred letter from Paul that was given by inspiration of God, preserved and and that we are reading here tonight. All right, our uh, title tonight is this, Calling Upon Heaven for Those Serving Abroad. Calling upon heaven. We have a heavenly calling as a local church, so we also have the opportunity to call back, call upon heaven for those serving abroad or those serving specifically overseas or in remote locations. So tonight, uh, this is our focus. The critical role of prayer in the spiritual conflict on the mission field. The critical role of prayer in the spiritual conflict on the mission field. Now, may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated, and we're going to consider this here together. It's a blessing as I went back to the office here this uh, afternoon after the morning service and after greeting for a little while to come into the office area and to hear uh, some noise going on, see a light on in the conference room, and it was the sending team for the Switzers, right, meeting together, and I and, uh, heard them uh, laughing with uh, Brother Jonathan Switzer and just wanting to know how are things going in South Africa, and they I'm sure had a time to pray and some time together. Brother Hainline is the team leader uh, there for the Switzers. It was a blessing just a few moments ago to be a part of a missions committee meeting. Seven uh, missions committeemen that uh, read the letters of all the missionaries. They're divided into various regions. So, for example, Brother Delane Owen in Asia. Brother Keith Hainline, Africa. So they read the letters from these locations. Brother Rocky, uh, Harold, uh, representing Europe. And so they read the letters and then bring a report to our uh, discussion, or our time together as a missions committee. Here's why. Because we want to know how the missionaries are doing. We want to pray for them. Uh, Brother Jerry Spivey uh, mentioned how that many of the letters indicated how well things are going, even despite COVID. That was encouraging. He said it was just encouraging to hear how things are going as he represents Australia and uh, Oceania, some of the island countries there, so Papua New Guinea and, and some of those, uh, those countries in that location. We have uh, one of those committee, committeemen that read a missions letter every once a month, the first Wednesday night of the month, And we do that because we want to know what's going on in the life of missionaries. You receive a missions voice because you need to know what's going on in the life of missionaries. We have a missions display of the sent missionaries because we want to be reminded on a regular basis missionaries depend on us, Uh, not just financially. In fact, I I think tonight as we're zeroing in on what our consideration is tonight, I think if, if I were to ask, in, even an email form just to all the missionaries, which would you rather have more financial support or prayer support? I almost guarantee you. I think it would be 100%. And they're not just being spiritual, but I think every one of them would say more prayer support. I almost guarantee that I could pull the missionaries that are here tonight. And I think that would be the reply and and so then we're having a missions conference and we'll eat with the missionaries. We'll begin Wednesday night. We have a, a video to help introduce them. We'll let them introduce themselves. We, we will spotlight them as they come in. We try to make, not make them feel awkward. We try to make them uh, feel special and loved and, and like you're significant and you're not forgotten, you know. And, uh, and then we'll get to know them, you know, on uh, Thursday morning, and the Thursday and Friday morning. In fact, I encourage you, do everything you can to be here on those Thursday and Friday mornings, you know, at, at 9.30. It's a fantastic time to get to hear from the missionaries and, and hear testimonies. And the wife will give a testimony and the man will preach and, and, um, and we'll have songs in the morning. And then we have the close-up times on Thursday night and Friday night as you travel to different countries here on the property and get to know what's going on. And then they preach on Thursday night and Friday night. And then we have Saturday morning men's uh, breakfast as we get together for a man-sized breakfast. But mainly we're there to hear from all the missionaries, even in a panel discussion generally, just just so that everybody gets to participate. And one man, one of the missionaries will give us a challenge, a charge to to be involved in missions and and be concerned about what God is doing in the world. And the ladies will have a, a luncheon together and fellowship and the same, have the ladies in a panel discussion. And then Sunday morning, Sunday school, they're spread out everywhere and then they're in children's churches and they preach in here and then we have Sunday night and it's focused on the faith promised missions but it's also this we want to know what's going on in the life of our missionaries Amen. so that we can pray for them so we can care for them by prayer. Uh, we've been considering here the the spiritual battle that we're in week by week and we've looked at the armor of God and and uh, and how that God has outfitted us or equipped us for this spiritual battle that we're in. Our loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. got those out of order. But nonetheless, uh, they're, they're parts of the armor there. And, and then the helmet of salvation, indicating that the battle's on, and the helmet of salvation, thinking right about salvation, and and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, but all those things are not enough. It's interesting. Because then he em- emphasized praying always. And I, I ag- agree with the one who said that sometimes it's praying sometimes. We sometimes, our Christian life looks more like this. Praying sometimes with some prayer and supplication. Uh, watching with some perseverance and supplication for some saints. But no, we need to take those sums and turn them into all prayer life. I did a little reading uh, from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones who wrote about prayer and he said this, the ultimate test in the Christian life is the amount of time that we give to prayer. The ultimate test. Um, Not just as a duty, he said. Not just as a duty, although it is a duty. It is a responsibility that we pray. But not just as a duty, he said, but as a delight. As a delight. He said it's very interesting and very significant that, that in this doctrinal letter, I mean, that is just really a snapshot of the gospel, that is just the gospel of chapters one through three and the application of that. He said it's significant that he begins his letter with an emphasis on prayer. And here's why. Because all that we know about God is designed to bring us into close fellowship with God. So it's not just... Orthodoxy. It's not just doctrine, though I certainly would not minimize the important role of Bible doctrine, but all of that is to help us to better know God so that then we commune with God and fellowship uh, with Him. He said, This uh, uh, knowledge is of little value if we lack like fellowship. Knowledge is of little value if we like fellowship. It'd be, I mean, just think of it this way. I, I thought about it. You know, I. Um, I know many things, you know, about my wife. I know her background. I know her, but, but it's one thing to have a lot of knowledge about my wife. It's another thing to fellowship with my wife. You get what I'm saying? So men, I encourage you, you know, you just don't need to know about your wife. You need to be with your wife. Okay. All right. That was totally free, you know? All right. Anyways. Same thing. I mean, we can know a lot of things about God, but I'm asking you tonight, do you fellowship with God through prayer? I'm telling you, prayer is the vital component that, it, that brings us into tap in into contact with the power of God being upon our lives. Ian Bound said this, to be little with God is to be little for God to be little with God, little little time with God. And we can all be guilty of that. And that's why we need to be stirred up. And I'm called as your pastor to be your agitator every now and then to stir you up by way of remembrance. Hey, don't forget, you need to spend time in prayer. To be little with God is be little for God. I believe there's a direct correlation to the the way that God uses a person or a family or, or a church based on how we give attention to prayer. And in a trying time, pray all the more. In a trying time. Don't pray less, pray more. Pray uh, for strength in the battle of your life. But then then Mr. Lloyd-Jones said this, don't stop there. It's it's right and, and proper that we would pray that God would help us in the battle. But don't just stop praying for yourself, but pray for others. Pray for all saints. Remember That we're in this together. One of Satan's tactics, I believe, is to isolate Christians. To make you feel like you're all alone in the battle. You're not alone. Uh, We're not alone. We're together. And uh, War, uh, he said, is never a private matter. It's a corporate matter. We, we, We fight together. It's never an individual matter. Uh, Listen, tonight, you may never go to the mission field, but you can see results there by prayer. You may never go to the mission field. And I believe we need to pray for our missionaries. Here here we're coming upon our passage and it's Paul saying pray, but for me. He says, I'm sorry, verse 19, and for me rather, and for me. So as you pray for all saints, pray for them, pray that they might see spiritual victory in their life. And for me, I want to remind you tonight, missionaries face discouragement. Hopelessness, loneliness, weakness, fatigue, setbacks, family concerns, spiritual resistance, Difficult relationships with other missionaries, difficult relationship with church leaders, national church leaders, difficult relationships with governmental officials, the prevailing spiritual darkness in which they, they reside and where they live and where they work. Hey, listen, I, I just I hope and pray that God would use this tonight as a reminder that, that we need to engage in serious prayer for our missionaries. Because of the imminent attacks that Satan brings against so many of them. And, and in many ways, I think it's like Paul is saying, mayday, mayday here. I don't think he's in a, in, in a sense of, uh, of distress or, or panic. That's what I mean. I don't think it was a sense of, of panic. But there was something specific on Paul's mind that caused him to say, hey, listen, would you pray for me in this way? I looked up the, the terminology mayday and it has some French background and, and it basically means this, help me, help me, help me. And for me, he says, on my behalf and my interest, true or false, missionaries have health concerns. They do, don't they? They have true or false they have marriage concerns. True. They have family concerns. All, hey, listen, all the concerns that you and I have, they have. They really do. He asked them to pray. Now, let's look specifically at what he asked them to pray for. That, if you look at verse 19, there's, there's two um, pro- demonstrative pronouns there. That, or, or as actually working with the verb that, that. You see that? You see that? Sorry. Anyway, sorry. Okay. That's the content of his prayer. What is he asking them? Well, here's what I want you to pray for. And I appreciate that people pray. In fact, many times, you know, somebody will say, hey, how can I pray for you? That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Notice what he says. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me. That utterance. That I may open my mouth boldly To make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, here's a man who's gifted. You agree with that? The Apostle Paul? Gifted. Here's a man um, who was an apostle. He had a position, I mean, a significant role, a significant position. He was certainly called. He was, he was a man, I think, who was obviously very knowledgeable, and yet he's, he's urgently asking that church there in Ephesus, and he's also basically going to say the same thing to the church in Colossae and, and other churches, pray for me a man that was intelligent, a man that was gifted, a man that that had a lot going on, he understood this. I can't accomplish what I need to accomplish without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Pray for me. Pray that I might have unction. Pray that I might have utterance. The word utterance literally means this. Pray that, that, that God might open my mouth. Pray that God might open my mouth, that he might give me what I need to say. So what we need to pray for our missionaries is that God would give them exactly what they need to say. I would imagine there's many times in which they need that, but I I think there maybe was something specific on Paul's mind as he wrote this. But let let me just run through it this way. Don't missionaries, and all of us do, by the way, don't uh, don't you need utterance? Don't you need God to open your mouth at the job place and to be a witness? And so I think in a general way, Paul was saying, would you pray for me that God would give me exactly what I need to say when I'm dealing with somebody about salvation and soul winning. I mean, I mean, just think about it, just, just knowing English and being from the same culture, it's challenging enough to try to lead somebody to Christ, right? And, and you pray, God, please help me know what to say here. Help me, give me just the exact right words because I don't want to mess this up. I want to make it clear. I want to make sure that they understand what, what sin is and what repentance is and what faith is and, and help them understand that it's not based on what they can do to, to be saved, but it's rather based on this, what Jesus already did. And, and so pray that God would give you just exactly the right words. Let's pray for our missionaries that God would give them exactly the right words as they preach the gospel, whether one-on-one or in a group, and, and then the right words to help... Uh, uh, in discipleship and as they're trying to help men come along or ladies come along i i think they depend on people here praying that god would give them just the right words in discipleship and in leading churches and so forth they need that in many different ways but i think there's something specific on paul's mind here I, because of the context and if you'd allow me to to develop that here for just a minute What we've been looking at is the spiritual battle that is against all of us. And Paul is writing to that church to say, listen, you are in the midst of a spiritual conflict. And and you've got to be on the defense. So much of what we looked at with the belt of truth and all the other other parts of the armor were defensive. And so here Paul is saying, when, when you are spiritually attacked... Back up to verse 10, 11, 12, and 13, he's dealing with the fact that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So he's saying, listen, Satan is very much on the move against the spread of the gospel. We're facing conflict in that way. I might remind you as to where Paul is is at this current juncture as he pins this letter. He's under Roman custody. He's, He's imprisoned in Rome. There's a Roman soldier there. And maybe he's saying, hey, would you pray for me that God might give me the right words with regard to the mystery of the gospel? Because every day I get a Roman soldier that is a captive audience. He thinks he's got me captive. Actually, I've got him captive, right? So pray that I can have the right words for that. No doubt that's part of what Paul was praying. No doubt he was also thinking about slaves like Onesimus, who God, by the way, I mean, this is all all right here with Colossians and Philemon and Ephesians. I mean, all this is converging there. And so Onesimus came to Christ because Paul, in prison, was bold with the gospel and led that slave to Christ. He was bold with the gospel. He made it clear and he was saved. So that would be part of it. But then also, if you read the last part of the book of Acts, then you know this, there were Jews coming to Paul who wanted to know, what do you believe? What is is this gospel and, and this Christ? And why do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? So no doubt, he's saying, please pray for me that God might help me to help the Jews understand that Jesus is their Messiah. If you've ever dealt with Jews, then you know you need God's help to help them understand that he fulfills uh, all that is in the Old Testament about the Messiah. So no doubt he's praying about that. But But I think there's something specific. There's something driving Paul. And again, the context of this is that he's saying, listen, when we are attacked, then we need help from God above. And so he is confined to Roman imprisonment And so now he has these Jews that are not, some of them are coming to hear him. Some, though, are coming to accuse him. Acts, all you got to do is read the book of Acts and you'll see Paul had a lot of enemies and most of them were Jewish. And they were coming against him. I might remind you as well that he was, Incarcerated in Jerusalem, sent to Caesarea, and then from Caesarea on a long boat ride to Rome via shipwreck. And now he's in Rome and he's awaiting trial and will stand before Nero. Said it before, but I'll say it again, the wacko. Nero the wacko. I mean, he was paranoid. He was eat up with fear. They viewed the Christians as a sect of the Jews, but they didn't understand the Christians and, and they were gonna eventually place blame on them for various things and, and the, watch this, the persecution level was rising. If we did the levels like we often do, if, if it was you know at one point at a one, now it's at a two, then it's at a three and now it's at a four, I think it's hitting near a five level. Are oh, you with me? You follow what I'm saying? And Paul is saying this to the church, listen, would you pray for me that God would help me to know what to say and then to have the boldness to say it. Why? Because the Jews were coming against him and he wanted to be able to say not just to those that wanted to know why do you believe Jesus is the Messiah, but he also had those that were accusing him that was trying to shut down the movement of the gospel. And I believe Paul is saying, please pray for me that God might help me know what to say about the mystery of the gospel. Now, why would he say that? Well, it was because of the mystery of the gospel that he was incarcerated in the first place. Listen, Not just for the preaching of the gospel, though that certainly was a part of it. But the reason he was arrested was because some Jews accused him of having a Gentile in the temple area, which was not true. It wasn't what Paul did, but they slapped that on Paul and accused him of being friendly to the Gentiles. So part of the problem here, even in the book of Ephesians has been this, the mix of Jews and Gentiles in one gathering, namely a called out assembly of Jews and Gentiles in one place. And that was like fingers on the chalkboard for the Jews. You with me? They didn't like it. And so Paul here referred to it as the mystery of, of the gospel mystery means that which has been revealed that which has been made known and so certainly I mean all the I think these two are working in tandem on one hand he's saying please pray for me that I might have boldness to preach the gospel and we would all understand that but we also need to understand this in the life of a missionary that many times when he preaches the gospel that has results that in biblical estimations are wonderful Jews and Gentiles, same congregation, despite racial tension, worshiping together. Who would have thought it? God did. But that preaching of the gospel produced results that not all were favorable towards. And so because they didn't like that, they opposed it. So Paul is facing opposition from a government. And he's facing opposition from his own countrymen. And so he's saying to this church in Ephesus, please pray that God gives me exactly what I ought to say when I'm under pressure. That I might make known the mystery of the gospel. Well, I think it may be kind of hard for us to enter into that because we haven't been where Paul was. You know, to think about trying to explain to somebody named Joshua Ben David. <laughs> just totally made up a name. Some guy with a Jewish name. Why now they're getting along with somebody named Luke or Lucas? of a Gentile name. How are these going together? And, and it was so foreign to their thinking that Paul is saying, please pray for me that I might be able to explain this. Please pray for me that I wouldn't back down here. Please pray for me that I wouldn't in any way compromise. I don't think compromise was anywhere on Paul's radar. Do you? It wasn't on Paul's radar, but I'm, I'm telling you this, there was some pressure on him In fact, there was some pressure on them. There was some pressure even on a man named Peter who when he got around some other Gentiles, when some other Jews came into the room, he got up and went to another table. Why? Pressure. Paul is praying here and saying, listen, please pray that I I might have utterance, that God might give me what to say when I'm under that pressure so that I could explain things in such a way that Romans would understand it, that Jews would understand it, primarily for this benefit, that the gospel might go further. Pray for me that God would give utterance that I may open my mouth boldly to speak. So Paul basically asked him to pray for these two things. Watch this. He prayed that God might show him what to say and that he might give him boldness to say it. Hmm. Verse 20. For which I am an an ambassador in bonds. A lot of times when an ambassador, which was a representative of another country, when they showed up, they would give them gifts. They would give them jewels. They would give them gold chains to wear with a medallion around their neck. Well, Paul got chains. He was an ambassador. And Rome uh, recognized his role as an ambassador by putting him in chains, bracelets, and necklaces says, I'm an ambassador in bonds, in chains, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I notice here, church, this. Paul did not pray, ask them to pray that things might go better. Paul did not ask them to pray that it might be easier for him. He didn't even ask them to pray that God might get him out of jail. He asked them to pray that God might give him what to say and they might have the boldness to say it. He sent Tychicus, who was a blessing, I think. And as he came, he wanted to tell them how Paul was doing and say, hey, listen, even though he's incarcerated, he's writing... He's loving the Lord. He's serving the Lord. People are being saved still. And I think it was going to be encouragement to that church in Ephesus to hear that the one that had loved them for so many years was still doing quite well, even under the circumstances. So Paul is asking this church here, would you you please pray that God would give me what to say and the boldness to say it? And here's why. Because as a missionary, Paul was in a spiritual conflict for the sake of world missions. He asked them to pray because he was in a spiritual conflict that had everything to do with world evangelization. We have missionaries coming. We want to know how they do. We want to know what's going on with them. Here's primarily why. Will they have health conflicts? They do. Many of them have been on the field for many, many years. I think about the Hastings, and they've had all kinds, I mean to tell you, just all kinds of health issues throughout the years. But, but I believe tonight we'll hear the Hastings say there's a greater conflict that we have. And it's the movement of the gospel in Germany that is greatly hindered by the, by the God of this world who wants to hold people in spiritual darkness. I'm sure we're going to hear young missionaries such as, 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 um, Uh, as even Brother Matt Miller as he's going to Serbia and he's going to tell us about the time that he was there and the brief time, but they're still trying to get back there. I believe we'll hear from Brother Frank Corley and these two that are even going to the field as he's talking about the field in Nepal. And he'll talk about some financial needs, no doubt, and he'll talk about some other things. But I'll tell you one thing they're going to talk about. There's a spiritual oppression there that necessitates a church like this church joining together in prayer that God might give them exactly what to say and the boldness to say it. And that can be said of every one of those missionaries, uh, whether it's the Hales that are in Portugal or or any of the other missionaries that we're gonna have with us, they are faced with a spiritual conflict that they cannot resolve. They did not start that war and they themselves will not end that war. But here's what they need. They need help from others like you and I that will hold them up to God in prayer and say, dear God, would you please help these missionaries? They are in a situation where they need you to know what to say. And what are some of the situations situations that they would have need of. Well, listen, they are dealing with people in positions of power, in governmental positions of power, listen, that want their money, but they don't want them in the country. And they just soon see them not in their country, but they've allowed them in. And and so they are dealing with some very difficult situations. And and many of our missionaries that are in restricted access countries and, and facing many challenges there. And even just how they fill out their visa or request for visa and then how they operate within the country can be so tricky because there is definite spiritual darkness and oppression there. That means that you and I need to pray fervently that God would give them what to say and then the boldness to say it. We haven't even got to the hostility from other religious groups that are there. From Catholics, from Buddhists, from Muslims, from many other groups that would not want them there and that oppose them. They need God's help in the conflict for the sake of world missions. I thought about it church tonight, really? We also need to be praying for one another in this same exact way. That God would give us what to say and the boldness to say it. Boldness just means openness. Freedom, no restraint, no holding back. No holding back, just saying what needs to be said. I, I want to ask you as your pastor that God would, would grant me utterance to, that every week, every time the Bible is open here, and whoever is preaching, regardless of who it is, that we might have utterance from God, that God would show us what to say, and also this give us the boldness to say it. And not be strapped or hindered by political correctness or the ideas of people or, or think, man, if I say that, then it's going to really bother people. But not to hold back, but just to go ahead and say what the Word of God has said. And listen, I can't do that in my personality or in my own in own uh, ability or, or knowledge. Listen, what is needed is help from above. And I'm asking you as a church, Pray. Pray that God might give utterance. Pray that God might give boldness that, that we would not be tiptoeing through the tithers as, as one has said in our apology, uh, applied homiletics class. I love that. And, and not trying to tiptoe through things, but just go ahead and say what God has said. And I pray for you as well that, that God would give you that boldness that, that you might have the courage when somebody at work starts asking you questions. Why do you carry your Bible to work? Why do you go to church every Sunday? morning and night. Why are you going Wednesday nights? They want some answers. I pray that God would give you the boldness what to say and then the boldness to say it. I pray that God would help you when you're facing a boss who wants to talk to you about your, your witnessing even at the workplace. That God would give you what to say and, and the boldness to say it. I pray for the young people, for the students here at school and in public schools and in Christian schools alike. That, that when those classmates ask you, why do you dress the way that you do? Or why do you go to church so often like you do? And why aren't you going to the party this weekend down in the friend's basement. When they ask you those questions or they ask you, why don't, why don't you listen to what we listen to? That you'd have boldness. That God would give you what to say and give you the ability to say it. That when family members ask you, hey, why aren't you getting together with us on the family, get together on a Sunday? But you'd have the boldness to be able to say as to why that you're not going to. When somebody at your workplace or one of your friends asks you, well, why do you believe in traditional marriage? That you would have the boldness and the right words to say what God has said and say it with a spirit of grace and say it with a spirit of love and, and kindness, but not compromising, not backing down. I'm, I'm just saying to you, just like in Paul's day, as that pressure was coming up, the pressure's coming up in our day and time. Got to be able to stand. Why do you attend a conservative church? Why aren't you more liberal in your thinking and more progressive? And why don't you get with it? Well, because we've already got it. You don't have to get with it when you got it. Anyways. We need to pray. I read from Brother Rangel's book, about the spiritual battle that we're in. When a Christian warrior prays for assistance and protection, God answers. At times, the answered prayer comes just as we requested the arrival of the quick reaction force, a gunship, a medevac helicopter. He's using a lot of military terminology along with spiritual life. And additional ammunition. Then he said this, sometimes God answers our prayer not in the way that we immediately understand. During World War II, he said, a U.S. Marine was separated from his unit on the Pacific Island. He lost touch with his comrades and separated from them. The battle intensified and he knew quickly that he had to find find a place to hide as the enemy was making their rounds to try to find where all these Marine's Word. He made his way up a ridge, up a cliff, and he got into a cave. And there he was safe for a while. He prayed, God, would you you protect me? I love you. I trust you. And I'm asking you to protect me at this time. But he knew that as night was coming on and as those, the enemy soldiers were making their way around and trying to find, that very soon they'd make their way to that cave as well as they were going to all the other caves and he began to pray and ask God to somehow protect him. He noticed a spider making a web across the entrance of that cave. And he thought, oh great. What I could really use right now is a brick wall. And God has sent a spider to make a web wall. He thought, wow, what a sense of humor. Well, as the soldier was getting closer and closer, he came to that particular cave, and to the Marine's surprise, he passed on. The reason being is because he figured, well, nobody's been in that cave, that big old spider web. Nobody's been in there in a long time. And the soldier, the Marine, rather, said this, God, I didn't realize that sometimes with you, a web wall is stronger than a brick wall. And God protected him. One of my favorite songs I've heard some group sing or a choir sing goes this way, There are walls made by man built by frail and human hands that an enemy can scale and get to you. But there's one protecting me from my greatest enemy. It's a wall that Satan can't break through. Sometimes a wall of grace. Sometimes a wall of faith. Other times it's sweet mercy that I need. But the one for which I long, it makes all the others strong. I need a wall of prayer surrounding me. Then the next line, I wish I could sing again. Oh, my brother, when I'm weak, would you stand instead for me and pray a fortress around me strong that can't be moved? And I promise you today when I bow my knees to pray, I'll do my best to build a wall of prayer for you. Folks, you know what our missionaries need? A wall of prayer. A wall of prayer. Dear God, tonight, we um, heard the words of Paul, a cross-cultural, church-planting missionary, that was facing a hostile government, resistance, opposition from fellow countrymen that would stir up trouble among many others. And God, I pray tonight that you'd help us to be mindful of the missionaries that in many ways are facing the exact same thing. And God, I pray that you'd help us and help the missionaries, Lord. Help us to love, lovingly pray for them, earnestly pray for them. I pray for the 20-cent missionaries from Southwest Baptist Church. I pray for the additional missionaries that we support on a monthly basis that are sent from other churches. God, they're facing great opposition. I pray that you'd help them. Bless now this invitation time, Lord, and as you speak to hearts and call us back to a place of fervent prayer. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.